Radio Capital FM. I am your real fan. Listening to Capital FM is my habit. In fact, my day starts with your station. My lovely favorite radio. You know, guys, you're the best. This is Capital FM, Moscow, 105.3. The latest news now. Moscow's only English-speaking hit music station. Capital FM. News. A Hantumansi's court has remanded the men accused of trying to hijack an Aeroflot airliner. 41-year-old Pavel Shapovalov was not intoxicated at the time of the incident and will undergo mental examination. On Tuesday, the passenger, while being on board the Boeing 737 heading from the Siberian city of Surgut to Moscow, demanded that the jet be diverted to Afghanistan. The city's authorities say Moscovites have brought 20 thousand Christmas trees for recycling. Thirteen points across the capital where people can bring their natural trees are working until March. All Christmas trees are accepted without decorations and will be turned into kindling wood. Forecasters say it's going to get chilly in Moscow by the end of the working week. Temperatures around minus 25 degrees Celsius are expected in the capital on Friday. It's going to be even colder in the surrounding region as temperatures there could plummet to negative 30. Spartak Moscow are hosting Sivastal Chiripavets in the Continental Hockey League as we speak. The latest score there at the VTB Arena is 4-3 in favour of the house after two periods. The Red Whites are currently in sixth place in the Western Conference. And finally, the dollar has dropped 22 kopecks against the ruble with the euro losing 16. The official exchange rate for Thursday for a dollar is 66.33 rubles. One euro will cost 75.39. Rated 3 out of 10 on Moscow's road. Driving time to Shurimitiva Airport from the city centre is around 75 minutes and under an hour to get back into central Moscow. Driving time to Vnukova is about 45 minutes each way and you'll spend about an hour on your way to and from Domedeva Airport. Minus 2 degrees Celsius in Zurich, 16 in Beirut, 25 in Brisbane. Partly cloud and up to negative 20 degrees Celsius are expected in Moscow tomorrow or minus 4 Fahrenheit. That's all from me this hour. Dmitry Shulga in the studio. Bye bye. With Alan Moore. It's minus 22 on the streets of Moscow, but it's a little bit warmer here in the studio. This is Capital Sports. I am Alan Moore. And right beside me to my left is Mr. Andrew McLean. Andrew, how are you doing? Very good, bit cold, warmer in here. It is, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're keeping our clothes on fully. Our, our coats are off and our clothes are definitely on this week, that's for sure. Right, what have we coming up for you folks this week? Well, we have a pretty special show. We have uh, basically a meltdown, well, not really a meltdown from uh, Maria Sharapova and Asha Masha. Uh, we have, we're going to have, have a little bit of chat about that quite soon. We'll have Andrew Flint on the phone in just a couple of minutes. And uh, we'll also be going, speaking with uh, Peter P. And Alex B. Alex B. is back from his sojourn in Canada. And in the last part of the show, we will have Mr. Alexander Zotov, of course, the CEO of the All-Russian Football Players Union, and of course, a member of the Russian Football Union Executive Committee, because there is a lot happening now uh, in the in the winter break. Of course, a lot of players are unpaid. I mean, there's one tragic case down in uh, Angie, well, tragic in terms of that, uh, uh, a man who's put in his effort has not been paid for 10 months. So, yeah, so when we look at all the, the riches of the Premier League, and players are going unpaid for a long time. Andy, um, 
just if we're just talking about that with these unpaid wages, would that ever be the case in Scotland? I think it probably has been the case in Scotland, but not in top leagues. Um, and certainly, to put it in perspective, you've got four or five clubs all involved in uh, this tournament out in Qatar for huge amounts of money, and one club two hundred million dollars. One club unable to to pay its staff. Um, certainly, if that was the case, I think in any big league in Europe, you'd be um, the the club would be receiving penalties for for not being able to do it. There would be insurance fallbacks. There'd be all sorts of other things that wouldn't, you know, they'd have to legally give a time frame as to when Their these people would be taken off. Somewhere. Exactly. Um, so it's a real shame that it's happening at the moment in in Russian football. Exactly. So we will speak with Alexandra a little bit about that later on. Um, there was also, of course, um, <clears throat> a tragedy uh, over the well on the coast of southern England yesterday, southern Britain, where a playing carrying uh, player who's coming in to sign for Cardiff City, he's playing from Nantes in France. Uh, disappeared they still haven't uh, turned up anything yet so um, fingers crossed that it might work out well but of course we we don't know right we're going to go right away out to freezing cold two men and ask him what's the weather like out there Mr Andrew Flint of Ronnie Dog Football Andrew how are you doing oh not too bad thanks not too bad um, no idea what the weather's like because it's pitch black for me at this time of night in uh, in <laughs> Siberia but uh, cold is probably the usual boring answer that you're used to by now that's fair enough I mean people do kind of laugh about it when we when we sort of like say oh like it's like it's a chilly minus 18 so for you I mean <laughs> minus 18 is like sun, like you know uh, short short weather yeah. you know yeah, it's really interesting me because my mum sent me a photo of uh, Manchester at the moment, covered in snow. When she says covered, it's like a light dusting. And then a friend of mine in New York said, Andrew, you're not going to believe it. It's minus 16 in New York at the moment. <laughs> I said, Roberto, minus 42. That's all I'm going yeah, to say to you. Minus 42 is, yeah, yeah it's a bit, it's a bit uh, Baltic, all right. Listen, we, had, we just, just mentioned before we came to you there, uh, Andy and I were discussing on the way in that tragic, um, well, we don't know if it's a plane crash or what happened just yet. Uh, on the south coast of uh, Britain. Can you give us a bit of a, an update or what's the latest on it, Andrew? Well, the, the latest I've read from the, the Guernsey um, police who are taking over the search is that they are not ruling out finding, um, well, the people on board the plane, um, Emiliano Salah, the, the French striker, but they they have said, look, it's, it's a slim possibility. Um, of him being alive. The latest they said is they, they don't expect to find anybody still alive, but nothing's confirmed yet. Um, and I think it's just, it's all a rather un- uncomfortable situation, really, because the plane he was travelling in, and this is what I find one of the many strange things, was a single-engine plane that a, a, lot of, a lot of companies ban their senior officials from actually flying in for exactly this sort of reason, that they can lose contact with them and, and accidents have happened with them before well, we hope we still find them and we hope we hear good news but it doesn't sound particularly positive at this stage yeah there were reports actually that uh, the, the plane failed to take off three times before they eventually got, got it up in the air um, and obviously reports coming out from Argentina today that um, he'd actually contacted his family via a WhatsApp message to say that he was, he was fearing for his life he was very scared and that something had gone mm. wrong with it so um, yeah I think Guernsey police had said that they were now only um, looking for the, uh, the the safety vessel that would have been on board as, mm. at this time of year, you, three, four hours, and your body, body would shut down if you're in the water. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's um, what I find, I know there's so many parts of it that you can pick apart, but 
Um, he reportedly had flown from Cardiff back to Nantes after having signed his contract and had said to his teammates that it was a bumpy ride. And it's just there's so many elements of it you think, you, you can't help thinking, could this have not been dealt with slightly more safely? Um, but it, it, it doesn't look good at the moment. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to um, knock back anything in terms of the, the gravity of the situation, but like it does, you know, look at Ryanair. You know, that's, I, as soon as I saw this, I went, why the hell isn't he going right here? Because I remember flying with members of the mm-hmm. Irish team many different times, like Irish uh, football team and Pat Bonner and so like flying across to England on Ryanair because, and I, and I remember asking, would you not, you know, they could have gone by a private jet. I said, no, no, it's easier. Like they feel safer on like a, you know, on even a low cost mm-hmm. barrier, you know, it, it'll cost, it's a little bit less comfortable for someone as big and tall as I mean, why, why, why wasn't Cardiff, Cardiff said they, they weren't involved in the organisation and I don't want to put it on them in such a sad, as you said, the, yeah. the gravity of this is horrible. But why weren't they making sure that their player, their brand new player, their record signing, was safe? Mm. That's true. Yeah, I mean, it, it, there's a lot. There's a lot of questions along those lines, and it's. it's it, I say, to be honest with you, I think literally every was was it planned properly enough? I mean, from Salah's point of view, his agent, whoever organised the flight. It, it, I don't know. It's, it, it's you don't want to be pointing things at this stage, of course, but. Um, well, it, it just, it's, just, it's really unsettling, really, to hear about this. Moving to the other side of the globe, uh, we've got the Asian Cup that's, um, <coughs> excuse me, throwing up some very interesting results. Well, perhaps, mm-hmm. perhaps not results, but getting very close for the likes of Kyrgyzstan, uh, came close to qualifying. What, how, have, have you been following it, and what's your impression of the tournament been so far? Well, I, I haven't watched um, I haven't watched any of the games, but I have been um, following a lot of my friends and contacts and fellow journalists on on Twitter and social media, and a lot of them are getting very excited at how how level the playing field is. And the tournament being expanded was it threw up some very weird final group stage games where some teams had not even won and could still afford to not win and qualify through, but. The likes of Kyrgyzstan, um, I particularly enjoy watching them because they have one of the greatest Fenial players of all time, former Chiman legend, um, Valeri Kitchen at the back. Um, and they came so, so close against uh, United Arab, Arab Emirates. Um, injury time equaliser goes to extra time. And I believe with about 10 seconds left of extra time, they hit the bar. Uzbekistan taking Australia to penalties. You know, you, Australia joining the Asian Confederation a few, well, a decade ago, ago, however long ago it was, assumed probably that they would walk success, but they're not doing that. And I think that's a strength of the Asian Confederation. <clears throat> well, I mean, if you look at it, I mean, I, I, I saw that there was a big complaint about the, the penalty given for the UAE uh, to, you know, to kind of turn the tide against uh, Kyrgyzstan. But, you know, the Kyrgyz defender did put his hands on the striker, and the striker was kind of falling at the time but as soon as you touch a player in the box that's it like you're yeah. you're going to get done listen um look at looking looking even well over in asia as well because we're talking about australia uh, of course the, the australian open uh, tennis is on now before we get on to an incident with uh, maria sharapova which we're going to have a little bit chat about 
there were no there are no Russians left in the women's in the women's draw. Uh, Anastasia Pavlichenko, of course, of uh, Moscow, she uh, has gone out uh, of the the opening quarterfinal stage of the the opening quarterfinal stage. Of course, Serena Williams, um, you know, Mister Like Do with Serena, she was knocked out as well. Naomi Osaka has gone through, and Petra Kvitova. So right now in the semi-finals of the women's uh, event, it's uh, Pliskova Osaka and Kvitova and Collins from the US, who's like a real uh, up-and-comer. Now, over in the men's side, of course, we have, uh, well, it, it's kind of as you were, of course, Annie Murray, he's gone long ago, uh, off into retirement. Uh, Djokovic, number one seed, he's playing as Pauli from France in one semi-final, and Tsipras, who's kind of a, a big like fan favourite and surprise, he, from Greece, he is in the other semi-final against Rafael Nadal. Now, if you look at the ages of uh, Djokovic and Nadal combined, that's pretty much the same as the age of the, the rest of the uh, men's quarterfinals put together. What do you reckon, Andy? Yeah, it's exciting that we're potentially we're seeing a few of these players like uh, the the young Greek come through, get a few big scalps. I do want to correct you, and Andy Murray hasn't retired yet, as far as okay, I'm aware. Okay, well, yeah, he'll be he'll play, he'll um, play. But yeah, I think it might be one more game at Wimbledon and then no more. But yeah, this is a potentially exciting time when you have the likes of Sispas Cis- uh, who's coming through uh, and able to knock out a few big names. It. it bodes well for the next sort of three, four years, I think, as Nadal, Djokovic and Federer do fade away. Yeah. It gives a bit of uh, excitement and a bit of a lift to the to the sport. Yeah, I mean, it is interesting. I mean, the women's side, I mean, you know, with Osaka coming through, people are like falling in love with her and the whole lot. So uh, we... It was, you know, sh- it was a shame we weren't going to have a repeat of her and Serena in the final. Oh, yeah, that would have been a bit interesting. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I actually don't know who I'd put my money on for that. I would say that, you know, Williams would beat her that one. Uh, okay, now, we there was a big scandal because um, Maria Sharpo, she was pushed a little bit on what she's taking now. Now, Andrew, you're, you're still back in line with us? Yes. Great, okay. So we're just gonna we're gonna play that sound clip and then we're just gonna have a little chat of it because it was one of those like cringe moments that blew up across social media. <laughs> but uh, I think it was overblown to quite a, a degree. Okay, so we're gonna play it away, so uh call you, away we go. What did you make of the kind of crowd's reaction to you today? They uh, kind of booed you when you came back on court after that toilet break at the end of the second set and then cheered for that time violation. Uh, did you think they were a bit unfair to you? Um, did it affect you at all? What do you want me to say to that question? I don't know, just the truth, I guess. I think that's a silly question to ask. You took meldonium legally for 10 years to deal with your health problems. I wonder, just now that it's banned and you can no longer take it, is it a struggle physically to deal with it, the demands of a Grand Slam fortnight? Is there another question? Okay, so there we go. So, like, you know, that's a silly question. It's a stupid question. That's that's what that's what we've come to accept from uh, female tennis players, from Serena to to Bouchard and so on. Uh, okay, I've got you two journalists here with me. So, uh, Andrew McLean, first you, should she just not just say, "Look, I'm taking X, Y, and Z now"? Yeah, I mean, it sounded a little bit like a segment out of Train Spotting. Listening to that, um, <laughs> but. Um, I mean, she should have come clean at the time. That was the time to do it, to say, look, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. This is what I am taking. This is, I'm going to make it public. Uh, I think it was a little bit unfair to perhaps, in in the manner that it was asked, having, you know, she was already riled up and angry. Um, she'd just lost a, a game where she hadn't ever lost to, to um, her opponent before. Um, Ashley from Australia. Yeah, Australia. obviously she had the home, the home crowd with her as well. Frustrating time for Sharapova, but... Um, she could have handled it a little bit better. Um, yeah. Well, um, why not? Why didn't she say, look, yeah, of course, I've had these health problems since I was a kid. 
now I'm taking something different. Why should she hide it? Well, there, there, therein lies the question. Should she be? Should she be hiding it? Um, she obviously probably has replaced it with something else. Whether that falls into the the, the new uh, laws that just came into effect in January uh, for this tournament. Um, well, you yeah. hope she re- she's read her emails well, exactly. this year. You know? <laughs> <laughs> this time she might have read up about it herself her rather than relying on the doctor. Exactly. So, I mean, for, for, for you, um, you know, did she handle that well? Is it, is it a bit of a sort of a, a storm in a teacup? Well, uh, to be honest with you, I think, um, I think the question itself, yeah, like, like Andrew said, it probably wasn't timed comfortably for her, but I think it's a perfectly legitimate question to ask. And to be fair, she could have, yeah, exactly like you say, could have just simply said, well, yes, I'm, I'm, I'll be honest, it is more difficult. Um, in a way, by sort of either not saying it's more difficult or not answering the question like she did, it does suggest that, well, she either is taking something else or um, is just, uh, is not going to front up to it um, on her own account. Uh, and I, d- I don't think she ever will, to be honest. I think she's she's dug her own hole by by not coming clean sooner. Um, but I mean, I, 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 if we say coming clean, I mean, Meldonium had been, um, you know, had been legal, you know, and then it was banned, of course, in October mm-hmm. uh, 2015. Or was put on a banned list that would then come into effect in the following year and so on. So she took it and messed up. However, you know, if you look at it, I mean, wh- why should not? Because we had this, like, with uh, Paul Kim, and she said, like, okay, look at the Irish rugby team. Uh, they're de- disappearing this you know this this uh, week down to Portugal with the English team by the way to uh, have their last little bit of like warm before the Six Nations why don't they just say okay here we go here's all the stuff we've taken here are all the painkillers now mm-hmm. prove us wrong but I mean you know Serena hides in, in, her, in her panic room um, you know other players just basically don't get tests uh, Nadal sues people who even raise a question about how he you know stays so fresh for so long and this massive muscle mass um you know, should, why, why, like, why should she not just say, "Listen, this is what I'm taking. That's it. Just get deal with it." Well, yeah, I think I think probably one of the issues comes from, like, like you mentioned, the fact that it wasn't on the band list before. I mean, I, I, I have, I have witnessed it being taken um, an amateur sport over here. Um, you know, but a lot of company sport is quite seriously, seriously done in Russia, as you know. And yeah. um, my my wife competes in swimming races. And the swimming coach actually specifically said, do you want to take some meldone just a, a little bit, just to, just to help you get over because you've not been training for a while? And, and the attitude of it is not of a banned substance still. I think that's the thing. When it's been been legal before and people don't think of it as a banned substance, and suddenly you're then told actually... No, you're not allowed to take it anymore. You don't look at it as such a dangerous substance. Or, uh, well, or to put it in perspective as well, I mean, it, tennis is one of the most travelled sports. You know, you're going from continent to continent on, a, on an almost monthly basis. Um, and it was used predominantly to keep muscles um, warm, healthy, if you're coming back from injury, on long flights. That was the purpose and, of and using it. And also to boost your immune system. Yeah. It was an immune boost, booster. Okay, look, we're going to have to leave it there. Andrew, uh, thank you very much for your time. Uh, stay warm out in two men, okay? And keep watching no, the Asian do, Games. Do my best. It might take a bit of meldonium to help me. Good man. <laughs> All right, listen, thank you. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, that was Andrew Flint of Roundup Football. Okay, we are going to go out to the break right now. Because um, if we start going down this like doping route, especially talking about meldonium, it is going to be a black hole. So to play it, we have Muse and Supermassive Black Hole. Capital Sports. With Alan Moore.
Okay, and we're back, folks, on Kappa Sports here on Moscow's Kappa FM on this lovely Wednesday night. A very, very cold Wednesday night here in Moscow, it has to be said. Um, just be, uh, on that same topic that uh, we were discussing with Andrew Flint for Running Dog Football, uh, Andy, I, 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 we were just speaking before we came back on air just during the song there from uh, Muse, is that uh, when I was working with uh, athletes, with tennis players, I had a tennis player's mum. She was 20, 21 at the time. She's still playing, by the way, still ranked top 100. Um, she, her mom gave me two packets of meldonium to take to Ireland, where she was in camp, uh, to keep her like immune system boosted. So she gave me meldonium to give to her daughter. It's like Werther's original. I know, I was in shock, and I did check it. I did, generally, listeners, I checked it to make sure it was okay. Um, now, that girl, uh, under contract with us, that if she touched any kind of, like, illegal substances or if she was associated with anyone who's involved in, um, you know, doping or sort of, like, uh, untoward activities, uh, we, we, we could break her contract, and basically all her monies were, like, you know, come back to us. But, you know, with Meldonium, it was okay. And then I asked her, what happened? Or what happens when you take it? She goes, oh, give me a bit of a boost and I feel better. So she used to take it before a game and that didn't make sense. Well, I guess a lot of it as well is down to the, there's so many, so much testing done these days on things that your body reacts to or has a bad reaction to as well. You wonder whether um, whether allergies play a factor in the certain things that you can take as well. And then if that's, you know, there might be five or six things that will have a similar effect on your body, but you're allergic to four of them. Now, if one of those is on the, the list that you can take... Do you run the risk or not? No, I think no. I think no. I mean, I mean, I mean, one thing like with another player who, of course, was going out into Asia, and uh, she was actually like it was it was timed in 2011. She was actually going out to play in a series of tournaments in Japan and missed out on it. And again, her mom turned around and said to me, or her mom said to me, like you know, when was she going away? Just make sure she has, has all her medicines. And I was like, well, she's not allergic to anything. She goes, oh no, no, no. And then she like had packets of meldonium packets. This was a different well. kind of effie pen. Yeah, I'm thinking. You know why? You know, but I mean, as it turned out, of course, it was Fukushima. She didn't end up going, and that was it. And you, coincidentally, have a story on that as well. Yeah. So one of our, our themes today was sporting stories that perhaps you haven't heard about that might be worthy of a bit more coverage or even a movie. And one of them for me that stood out uh, was remembering the Japanese uh, ladies' football team in 2011, uh, where four months prior, Japan was obviously hit by the the earthquake and then resulting tsunami that killed roughly about 15,000 people. Um, part of that football team prior to the World Cup helped in a lot of the charity work and, and, and the re- search and rescue operations and then obviously went on to just about scrape through the group stage and then eventually in the final they beat the um, the American ladies team to, to be crowned 2011 champions and it was for a nation it was much more than just a football game it was sort of this heartfelt message to the, the, the people that they'd, they'd lost um, in the disaster and it was, yeah I think that that would be quite a touching thing that hasn't really been looked at there's not many movies that, that look into to women's sport especially things like football so I think that is um, quite a touching tale really. it'd, be ni- it'd be nice if you could do it like you know to, to make a nice story of that because again it's something that you know they gave their I mean it took a big risk by doing that as well because at that yeah. time people were everywhere like were just so fearful you know it was, and it sort of fits this theme of disasters and movies they always start off with a 30 minute segment where the world is ending oh, these I days know, and, and, I know, but I this know. one's a true story exactly except well just we're speaking of movies as well we have got before we come back in um, was uh, about um, the Bohemian Rhapsody the Queen movie you know and we're talking about making the the, the, the name of the, the, the movie Bohemian Rhapsody 
and I'm sitting watching it um, in the in the cinema with a friend, and all I could have in my head at that moment was Father Ted when uh, uh, Graham Norton is singing Bohemian Rhapsody in a cave. You know, it just it doesn't get any worse than that. Like, but and um, even if you'd have attempted to explain that to anyone sat alongside you in the cinema, I was told to shh because I was laughing so hard. And then, of course, then it went on a little bit. And then, when I calmed myself down, I purposely said, "Alan, calm." And then, all of a sudden, it was um, hilariously funny because I immediately then was able to get uh, the uh, Wayne's World. You know. Okay, we're going to go straight away across the phone because we have waiting to give us an update first on NFL and also on the Moscow Open Chess Tournament. Uh, Mr. Peter P. Peter, how are you doing? Hey, hey, how are you, Alan? Very, very good. So listen, uh, first of all, well done. Well done on calling the championship games in the NFC and AFC. You were correct. I was. And everybody, I remember last time you were like, oh, yeah. Pats, you, know, you were like almost trolling me. You're like, oh, Pats will, Pats will definitely win, as like in a joking manner. But guess what? They did. And I knew they would two. win. I mean, they 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 know what to do with balls. You know, they they pump up their balls, they deflate their balls. They'll always play with their balls and win. Throw them around. Ha uh-huh, ha! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Listen. So tell us how how did the two games pan out? Just tell us how they were. So the, of course it was the Pats place playing the Chiefs in uh, Kansas City, and of course the other um, uh, championship game was between the Rams and the Saints. Of course, the Saints were favoured in that. So uh, tell us how how both uh, games went on. Well, turns out, like, Saints fans are not pleased with the outcome. They think that the refs uh, did, did, did all the wrong calls, and everybody... I, I, I went on Instagram this morning, and I see a lot of posts with, like, great, like uh, 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 Saints fans going insane over, over what happened. Uh, uh, and so, yeah. Well, and, I mean... And the, what? Sorry? Oh, I was going to say, because they, they had the winning of it. I mean, they were winning. I mean, the, the first quarter, they were absolutely destroying yeah. the, the, the Rams. So there was no excuse. And I did. It was in my mind as I was watching it on Sunday night that you had called it for the Rams. You did. You said it was going to be the Rams. Yeah. And, like, the, what, what, what's... Uh, I, I've checked this, their stats this morning of what, like, their, their league stats. And it turns out their, their offense is among, like, the highest... Like in the league, so that was definitely expected. I think they're like fifth defense, and um, I'm gonna check right now. Fifth defense and like maybe sixth, sixth uh, uh, offense. Yeah, but I mean they oh, were. Yeah, I mean yeah. when they started was the game with the fake punt. Was that was that that game? With, with, no, with that it, with, was, oh, they, it was with it, the the clearance punt for a throw and got it twenty. Um, that's right for, for a first down. That's right. That's right. Absolutely incredible. I mean, and then the, the Patriots, of course, uh, won, and and not an easy game as well. I mean, they they won then on the early hours of Sunday, uh, Monday morning, I should say. So I mean, they they had a tough time with Peter. Uh, they did, but they won. And that's the outcome I'd like, I like to see. Okay. So, uh, of course, so New England, they won 37-31 uh, against Kansas in overtime. And, of course, that other game, the LA Rams beating beating the New Orleans Saints 26-23, also in overtime. So, it makes for a big, big, big showdown on uh, Sunday. Well, it's actually, it'll be a Monday morning, the 4th of February, uh, in Atlanta, in the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Yeah. Peter, how are you calling it? Uh, well... You know, pretty much uh, everybody in the United States, except like the east, like the northern east side, is rooting for Rams. It's only like New England and like a couple bordering states that are rooting for uh, 
uh, Pats. I mean, I'm rooting. I'm definitely rooting for Pats. But turns out, turns out everybody is really bored with seeing Pats. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, they're really bored with seeing Pats in the, the Super Bowl all the time. Well, we'll but, see. You know what? You know what? Everything, pretty much everything, is stacked up against us. But you know what? Pats are going to win. That's that's what I'm going to say. Okay. I saw a brilliant message which explained uh, Brady's first Super Bowl to. You know they've got this rubbish ten year challenge thing. Yeah, so yeah. they had Brady's first Super Bowl to to this one, and it was the things that had hadn't existed that exist now. And it was just like a list of everything that you use in your everyday life that didn't exist, which was Tom Brady's first oh, ever Tom Super Brady. Bowl. Okay, listen, another big event. Uh, here this week uh, we mentioned it last week of course the Moscow Open Chess Competition the biggest chess festival in the world um, when is it starting and what should anyone who wants to turn up where should they go and what to expect Peter well they they should go to uh, RGCU that is in Vilgami Pika 4 Every, uh, pretty much all the, all the tournaments are going to be uh, happening all around RGCU so you, you show up and uh, you, you, I, I'm assuming I, I'm not sure how it's going to go down, but I think that there'll be a front desk and they'll uh, guide you to to the tournament. The first one is happening happening uh, on January 25th. That's tournament H. Okay, that's on, yeah. that's on Friday. Okay, on Friday. And of course, we, I mean, this is this is a mate. This is part of the the Russian tour. So you've got like international chess masters coming from around the world to compete. Yeah. So like, uh, yeah. The, also, uh, I forgot to, to mention. Tournament A, like one of the, the biggest one, the is also happening on January. Oh, it's no, it's January twenty sixth when it starts. Like okay. the, the big one. Okay, so, so start, yeah. that's starting on Saturday. So I mean, uh, that's up the metro, of course, is Botnitsky Sad up there, that area. But it's also yes. the, the yeah. great thing; it's actually part of the Vidian Hall as well. So it's part of the whole complex. Yeah, yeah. So Excellent. After watching a nice. Uh, and relaxing game of chess you can go out on a walk <laughs> freeze listen that's good listen we'll listen yeah freeze listen you stay warm and uh, we'll talk with you next week Peter thanks a million hey thank you thank you okay folks we are going to now go right away to uh, Alex Alex B so uh, he is on the line is Alex on the line no we're going to get him on the line just right now so we're just going so I mean uh, Andy are you a chess fan um, I've never really been a fan of watching other people play it. <laughs> I do enjoy playing it myself. Yeah. Uh, but I, yeah, and, and unless somebody flips the board and headbutts the other person, I, I'm really struggling to stay interested in See, I'm, I'm the same with biathlon as well. I think, yeah. like, why are you shooting targets? Go, what you should do is, like, you have, like, uh, like match competition, match biathlon, right? And basically, you can, okay, you have a 30 second head start, and your person has to catch up with you and shoot you. Like, you know, and, like, Pot shots. I think that'd be br- for TV watching. That'd be brilliant. <laughs> Match TV. Listen to me. Your your channel needs a bit of a boost. You have <laughs> terrible ratings. You're not doing well enough. So, and you're handing out two hundred million dollars <laughs> away for nothing <laughs> for, for, for like pedestrian football. Four teams. I know. I know. When we the FA Cup coming up this weekend. So how, so, so how would you make chess more interesting for them? I would do it that like each basically um, one of your family members should be put into a chamber <laughs> beside you, right? Of each person, and if you lose, like they lose a finger. <laughs> Simple as that. It's, it's it's really like it's kind of like a Russian roulette, but of chess. And then if you wanted to do it after the watershed, every time you lose a piece, you take a bit of clothing off, that kind of thing. Well, you could do that as well. Like, but then again, what if? Uh, no, well, I don't go there. <laughs> I don't even want to think about that. Your right. family members take clothes off. <laughs> I don't want to see my family members. Okay. So, of course, uh, Peter, Peter, just like your updates on chess. So, oh, wait, no, we're talking about... 
guy. One, two, three. I can't remember. Naked. Yeah, naked chest. Naked right. Chest. So uh, we're, we're going to go. We're going to have a naked chest. That is just terrible. That's uh, Even strip poker sends me nuts. Right. Uh, before we get to break... Boom, boom. Oh, I know. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, so basically we are going to go across to the CEO of the All-Russian Football Players Union and, of course, a member of the Russian Football Union Executive Committee, Mr. Alexander Zotov. Happy New Year, Alexander. Oh, Happy New Year. It's, uh, well, almost a month past that. <laughs> I know, I know, I know, but still... All Russians I say this. All Russians. I, I, I don't know what it is that Russians take offence when you say Happy New Year to them in the middle of January. I, I yeah, think because it's... after two weeks of uh, chaos celebrating, I mean, you know, you hear it again <laughs> and you're, you're, you're instantly reminded of everything that was happening during all the New Year's that we celebrate. Oh, two weeks of Olivier salad. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well... <laughs> Well, I, I had a great excuse. I, I was very, very quiet on my, my New Year. I had a very, like, Moscow New Year. basically just, like, sitting inside looking out at the snow falling and, like... Uh. Well, why, why... Just a question. This comes back from the, um, from the Simpsons. It's like celebrating your country by blowing up parts of it. Like, what, what, what's the fascination, Alexander, for uh, fireworks in, in, in Russia? I don't, I don't quite get it. Why? Because I, I think it's all over the place. And I went uh, to different parts of Europe for, for the new year in Vienna and Milano and other cities and uh, in Prague and everywhere they had a lot of uh, fireworks why do you think Russia is, is so special? I don't know it just everyone just seems to like in Ireland like say a sale of fireworks is usually banned but here it's like you can uh, stick it in people's exhaust pipes. Yeah, I've just—it's like mad. I and especially at like four o'clock in the morning on the first of January, you hear people go, "It's no good," and then like fireworks come. I was like, "Would you please stop?" Okay, it's like—it's already midnight in Ireland. I don't want any more. Listen, Alexander, um, we're gonna—we're gonna go to a break just shortly. I know you're gonna stay with us, but uh, first question: um, This Match TV Cup, the Super Cup out in Qatar, good thing or bad thing for Russian football? I mean, it's, it's, it's just a, a tournament, you know, that is played. They, they had uh, one with, that was played in uh, La Manga in, in Spain, so they have this one new. And I think it's just a preparation uh, time tournament, you know, without any... It's not spectacular or something, you know, something to watch for a lot of people. But if, as a preparation phase, it's, it's a good thing, I think. Is it, the weather is good there and the, the pitches are good so why not yeah the facilities look absolutely spot on I mean I've been in Qatar well a long, long time ago but I mean it's the, the facilities are second to none I mean they really have you know yeah, they really yeah, yeah, up. Yeah. Um, do, do you think that will, will is, is it is it good for the those top teams like for Rostov Spartak uh, Loco and Zenit is it good for them to to be present there to kind of like push brand rush a little bit as well well, from this point of view, yeah, sure, because uh, we'll have a World Cup there uh, really soon, <laughs> you know, <laughs> time flight. So I think, uh, uh, you know, you, you will not even uh, wink your eye and already will be in Qatar and uh, watching the World Cup. So Very you know, optimistic you're beating Scotland there, Alexander. I don't know. I mean, uh, <laughs> they come and go really fast. <laughs> Unfortunately, I, I mean, I, I, it was like yesterday that we had three years in front of us towards the, the Russian World Cup, and now it's over. I feel really sad. Yeah, I mean, well, look, we're going to talk about that in the last part. Alexander, you stay with us on the line. We're going to go out to break. Okay. We have um, a nice kind of song to warm up on this uh, lovely Wednesday evening here in Moscow. It is Maroon 5 and Moves Like Jagger. Back after the break. Capital Sport.
here on Capital Sports our last segment of this very very cold Wednesday night here in Moscow downtown of Moscow in the Navarrosian Tower of course so um, we're just going to go back to Alexander Sotov in just one second Andy before we do um, what there's the FA Cup on this weekend what what big game is standing out for you this weekend what, what should everyone have a, a bit of a look at well, the biggest one for me, really, um, as someone that watched the Premier League in the in the in the early '90s, is AFC Wimbledon up against West Ham, uh, which was obviously one of the big, big derbies. Sometimes for the right reason, sometimes for the wrong reason. In the '90s, when Wimbledon were known as the Crazy Gang before their club oh, goodness, yeah. fell apart, AFC Wimbledon uh, are consider or consider themselves to be the real Wimbledon after the club that formed on the basis of Wimbledon um, falling apart was. MK Dons and they of course moved north to Milton Keynes of course I mean that 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 is the uh, the there was that split in the club where they actually sold the club the club was sold and they moved up to Milton Keynes up in the, the Midlands wasn't it? So yeah, it's not no, not, yeah it's, it was a, it's sort of north south north south exactly exactly and you know um, what it still bugs me Andy sorry to cut across you but it still bugs me just crap that goes on about um, you know that the MK Dons are the real team and they're getting ignored by especially like say when Saturday comes the, the football magazine yeah. which I love I mean yeah. I love it but is it not time to get over it for Christ's sake I mean how many teams have moved in say the NFL NHL and in yeah, England as well course, it's just yeah. Ar- Arsenal you know? yeah um, I, I think this one obviously was a little bit different because they moved so <laughs> far away from where home was so to speak and it must have been very tough to get fans and they had a brand new stadium to fill yeah um so from that, it's a hockey stadium. Yeah, um, from 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 that perspective, I think um, they're actually doing quite well. I believe this year in the league one. one. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, I think they're in the top four or five in that league. So I mean, they're they're progressing and moving forward. And yeah, um, it perhaps it is a bit harsh to to keep it on. Well, that game, of course, is kicking off at ten forty-five on Saturday night. Um, what would you reckon for that? A home win, or do you think West Ham have just enough about them? I do, obviously the FA Cup isn't taken as seriously as it used to be by a lot of clubs um, because there's so much money in the Premier League it'd be interesting to see whether West Ham put a full team out if they do I, you'd, you'd expect them to, 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 to cruise to, that to one okay. you're still an away win alright ok we'll come back on to fixtures in a moment we have uh, Alexander Zotov on the line Alexander you haven't frozen solid yet I have what? You haven't frozen yet. You're still alive. No, no, I'm, 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 I'm inside. I'm, I'm not outside. Okay. <laughs> that's that's good. That's more relief. Chances of surviving. <laughs> Listen, you I, thought I was playing football again? Yeah. I thought you were. I thought you were just like straight out of the shower, or you're still no, it's prohibited. You know, we, we, the union made this uh, change now in the regulations, and it's prohibited to play in such cold weather. Thank goodness that's something to be fine for so long. Unless it's Hammond's revamped for by everybody, you're restricted. <laughs> good, good. I thought you were just restricting you from playing football, but no, that's. A... <laughs> I think we have to also mention Gaelic football. I think we have to ban that also. In my <laughs> <laughs> Listen, yeah, I, I, I agree. I'm in full agreement with that. Special uh, provision for that. <laughs> <laughs> no, 
exactly. Listen, it, it's it's a winter, of course, is always a tough time uh, because for Russian clubs, there's no money coming in in terms of well, I mean, whatever does come in from ticket sales and matches and merchandise and even TV. Um, now it's it's a long, cold winter in Russia, almost like the League of Ireland at home. Uh, but a lot of players, of course, in Ireland are part time, so they'll work during the off season. There are some clubs in Russia that are in some big problems, and um, I was reading an article about Angie, which you retweeted uh, this, this this week. Angie, they're in serious trouble. What's going on, and, and like how how is the club right now? Well, Angie, and uh, also a very tough situation in Luch, Vladivostok. Uh, both clubs are close to being uh, to, to start the procedure of bankruptcy um, because both have enormous uh, debts in Nanji players are unpaid for 10 months 8 months something like that you know in, in different situations in Luch they have less uh, debts, debts and salary but they still they owe a lot of money to uh, different organizations and uh, they also are you know talking about closing the club so it's a, it's a it's not a good situation in both of these clubs, and I don't see any good perspective happening, in, especially in Andrzej. We were speaking about that before Christmas, where um, there was uh, a chance for the other Premier clubs to support Angie to get them through to the end of the season. Do you think it's a case now that they'll just be uh, let go to the wall? Well, there are two, two, two things. You know, what we discussed was they they received uh, the clubs uh, allowed the league to pay in advance what what the club was supposed to receive at the end of the season for their commercial rights. Uh, what we were discussing is to make um, a fund that will uh, be uh, filled with the money coming from the clubs and and from the players. Mm-hmm. Uh, and. Um, but unfortunately, we're still in talks about that. But we haven't moved uh, a lot, and uh, uh, I think unfortunately, also you, well, unfortunately, unfortunately. But the situation now is that we are we're uh, in February. We'll have new president of the federation, and I think a lot of uh, focus is on that now. And uh, uh, we are we we're, we are moving very slowly with the fund uh, theme. So I don't know if will, will it happen. During the life of Anji or not? Well, that's it. That's it. I was in um, there the week before last in in the home of football, Don Football in Taganka, uh, mm-hmm. and I mean now there's of course the, the election as you mentioned is coming up. It's February twenty second. Is that correct? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, we've got uh, of the of the say the runners and riders. You've got uh, Dukov, who's ex Zenith and Gazprom, and then you've got uh, Lebedev, uh, who of course is on the. No, no, no. You no? have only only one now. Oh, there's only one candidate. Yeah. it's only Dukov. Only Dukov, because uh, we already—it's—it's—it's it's, it's now a closed list, and there's already—it's—it's uh, it's only one candidate. Oh, that's because uh, Sergey Kuzmin had put in his documents to go into it, but so they basically. Yeah, but he didn't—he didn't pass the. There's um, a commission that looks into the papers and everything, and I think in, in the last moment, one of the organization, because you have to have five uh, or a few members uh, that that promote your candidacy and he had five in the beginning and one then fell out so uh, he didn't he didn't make it to the candidate do you think is it a good thing then that there is like a single candidate going through I mean, Dukov he has the experience of course and you've dealt with him of course at the, at the highest level will will he move Russian football on like I mean because he you know he, he's a bit of a businessman 
Well, he's a businessman. Uh, we'll see because he also is a head of a very big company. So we'll see how much time he will have for uh, to devote to to the federation. But I, I know he uh, he's a very good time manager. So I think uh, that that won't be a problem. Um, I understand that a lot of uh, there will be some new people and and some people will stay from the old team. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope that Alexander Alive stays, who who acted was acting president. He's a young, smart guy who knows football really well. So, uh, if they make a team with Duke of that, will be really great. I think for football. I mean, there, there is the the chance, of course, that uh, Ilya Gerkos, the former, uh, well, he's still on the the committee of uh, Lokomotiv Moscow, that he he stepped down from his general director role at Lokomotiv or president's role to go across to work with Dukov. Do you think will that happen as well? Uh, well, yeah, I think there will be, you know, there are a lot of uh, positions that will be filled, you know, maybe there will be some reorganization of and um, the, the, the changes of how things are run in the federation, so we'll see that, maybe some changes in the leagues also, so yeah, I heard about him, I heard about Maxim Trafanov who worked in, uh, in Zenit, so we'll see, they work together with Gertasvich in, in Zenit. In, in terms of things actually on the playing pitch, if, the, if, if this all spirals and Angie go bankrupt and sort of are, are wiped out, what happens in terms of the league? I mean, with, with Lutz, they're mid-table um, if in, in the FNL, so there's no real massive impact. But obviously Angie are second bottom and in the automatic relegation spot. If they were to go, what, what then happens? Are, are teams like Ufa looking behind them saying, well, are we going into automatic relegation now? Or what, what what's the... Is there a sort of crisis mode that the league will turn to? to no, there, then there will be one one team relegated. Uh, uh, the the question will be what happens to the points, and if they pass mid season, and they have already, uh, so the, the the all the old all the scores that were uh, they will stay, and uh, all the new. The, the, the future games will all end up in zero three. You know, the defeat for Andre. So oh. this will be <laughs> well. It will be a very sad picture. I mean, because it's 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 less sports and, and just uh, about more about regulations, unfortunately. But uh, we had we had same situation with uh, Jimchuz and Sochi, if you remember. In the FNL, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, that was yeah, uh, yeah, confusing. yeah. So. Exactly. It, it, do you, do you think that's fair, considering that I mean Angie have picked up no, 15 points this fair. season? I don't think it's they fair beat at all. Zenit, I mean, who are obviously going on for the league. Is it, how will Zenit react to knowing that every other club that's still to play them are going to get three points on the board with a three-nil win? No, no, it's, it's it's as I said, it has nothing to do with uh, you know with comp- competitiveness and competition, and it's uh, it's not fair at all. But it's just the it's way crazy it is. When you lose a club in the Premier League, yeah, but unfortunately, it's the way it is. Yeah. Okay, uh, um, Alexander. Just uh, be, be, before we le- let you go away, a uh, question on last year. What was what was your well last year and next year? We didn't, we didn't ask you this. What was your biggest highlight of 2018? Like, say, even within the World Cup, and then what are you hoping for this year in 2019 in uh, Russian football? Well, for me personally, uh, the trip with my dad to Saint Petersburg to see Russia. So I think that was the highlight. Um, and of course, everything about the World Cup was a highlight. Um, your second question, uh, and then for looking ahead to 2019, what 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 is your big aim and what's your goal? Like, say, if if there's like a low hanging fruit, and then your high aim for for 2019. 
Well, I want to finish everything with FIFPRO. I mean, uh, we are discussing this with the General Secretary of FIFPRO for several years now. Uh, Theo Segelin became a good friend of mine, but we're still not members of FIFPRO, so this is something that, that our union wants to achieve, and we want to finish everything in 2019, and I, I hope that this happens, actually. Well, again, you know we, we, we spoke this on air, because the PFAI, uh, the Irish Footballers Union, they, they were surprised that you guys have not been signed up yet by FIFPRO. They're wondering why are FIFPRO dragging their, their, their uh, heels? Well, we had another union in Russia that made... Uh, it wasn't a union, actually. I've said about this many times, and I think also on your program. Yeah. But they managed to squeeze in into FIFPRO many years ago, and FIFPRO thought that they were acting as a union. When they found out that basically they, it was just an agency, and uh, they, it took some time for them to realize this and to, to, to do the necessary steps, as I understand now they're not... They were suspended, then they were kicked out of uh, FIFPRO, and they have some time now to uh, to file an appeal. But uh, I think uh, they will not do that because they have nothing to prove. Everything was already proven about their activities. So I understand that it's just a matter of time that everything is officially announced by FIFPRO, and then uh, we, uh, we 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 start to the process of becoming members of FIFPRO. Listen, fingers crossed, Alexander, because, you know, we had a great World Cup here last year. You've been doing great work on the ground and you need the support from the global body to make sure it uh, thanks, comes to fulfillment. Thanks, thanks. Listen, thank, thank you very you. much. And again, once more, Happy New Year. Thank <laughs> happy New Year. <laughs> OK, thanks, Alexander. Well, actually, I yeah. had a healthy New Year, so I, I mean, I, I have nothing against wishing Happy New Year again. <laughs> there you go. There you go. We've come to a compromise. <laughs> thanks, Julian. Take care, Alexander. Okay. Okay. That was Alexander Zotov, the CEO of the All Russian Football Players Union, and of course a member of the executive committee of the Russian Football Union. Um, Andy, before we go away, there is ice hockey on as well. Have you been to many hockey games recently? Um, I haven't been to many here actually in Russia. I used to go quite a lot when I lived in the Czech Republic, um, simply because the arenas were so close to me. Um, but I've only been to one or two here, and not for the last sort of six years. Okay. Well, the one thing, just uh, folks. Siska Moscow you have to up your game in terms of your presentation your match today it's crud it's terrible you really have to do better have a look at what Spartak do you share the stadium with them so copy what they do is really really good just on that Siska they are top of the Western Championship um, of course we had the uh, KHL All-Star break just this past weekend absolutely brilliant uh, Dima Moscow they are down in 5th Spartak just behind them in 6th and Vityaz of course who are Moscow uh, Oblast they are in 7th and of course Slovan Bratislav they have gone to the wall. Now, there are a couple of games coming up this week that should be of interest. On Saturday, Cisco at home against Dinamo Minsk. That's at 7.30. And Dinamo Moscow, they are at home 7.30 against Dinamo Riga. However, on on uh, the 26th is Sunday. Is that correct? So that's on uh, next Monday. So on the 27th, Andrew, make sure I'm all right on this. Because <laughs> on Saturday, Monday. on Saturday the 26th, Cisco are home at 5 o'clock against Paris. Cisco, if you're listening to this, you probably will. Please up your game. Make it really, really good for our listeners to go there because it really should be a lot of fun. Okay, it should be fun because I mean you've a great stadium, everything's good. You've got an amazing hockey team. Just make it fun for us. Okay, uh, Andy, any any big tips for this weekend? Anything coming up that you, that you think people should have a look at? Should have a little bit of a, a bet on. Um, in terms of the FA Cup, I think it's very difficult to 
to really tip anything until you've seen team news. Um, obviously, so many clubs rotate, and the odds will be heavily stacked um, for the teams that are higher up in the leagues. So I'd be looking at going abroad this weekend um, in terms of the, the other countries that are still playing league football. So you've got Spain, Italy, um, and Germany. Um, I will tweet out. Okay, you're going to have it. You're going to tweet out ready this week. Okay, yeah. so get, get get having a look at that. You see it on Capital Capital FM as well. Capital FM Moscow and on at Danger Kids Books as well. My my own Twitter handle. Okay, we are going to go away for this lovely Friday or Wednesday actually Friday night. And Andy, thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Sorry, right. it was good fun. And uh, we're going to go away on kind of like on a bit of a buzz like you. So just we're walking to move her off, feeling a bit happy. So this is the Killers, Mister Brightside. We'll talk to you next week. Sports with Alan Moore.